I had nearly lost my foothold. For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from common human burdens. They are not plagued by human ills. Therefore pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts comes iniquity. Their evil imaginations have no limits. They scoff and speak with malice. With arrogance, they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven, and their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore, their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. They say, how would God know? Does the Most High know anything? This is what the wicked are like, always free of care. They go on amassing wealth. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and have washed my hands in innocence. All day long I have been afflicted, and every morning brings new punishments. If I had spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children. When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply. Till I entered the sanctuary of God, then I understood their final destiny. Surely you place them on slippery ground, You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. They are like a dream when one awakes. When you arise, Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will take me into glory." Whom have I in heaven but you, and earth has nothing I desire besides you? My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. Well, thank you, Alex and Nyla and Lacey. Uh, good morning. It's nice to be with you. My name is Matt. Um, let me add my welcome to uh, Simon's and to Simon's. Uh, sorry, by the way, about the heaters. I think Simon mentioned it at the start. It's cold this morning in here, isn't it? It's, um, sorry, it's not how it's meant to be. It is, um, uh, it is that we're doing our series at the moment, Winter Psalms, so we're all going to feel a little bit extra wintry today. So uh, to get us in the mood, I hope you've um, got a decent jacket on, and I apologise if you don't. Um, the Psalms are an amazing part of the Bible, uh, the song book of God's Old Testament people. These are the songs that Jesus knew intimately and grew up uh, singing and knowing. Uh, and they're songs that are written for us uh, to help us, uh, to help us express all sorts of different things that we might feel towards God. Uh, lots of the Psalms are very positive. They have lots of praise of God. But some of the Psalms, like the one we're looking at today, are very raw and they deal with raw sort of emotions, very real sort of emotions. Uh, Today's psalm is one of those, Psalm 73. Uh, It's a psalm that gives us words to think about the experience of finding it hard to trust in God. It's a psalm that gives us words to think about that experience of finding it hard to trust in God. Um, And so today we are going to dive into some of that deeper emotional kind of language, and I do want to flag for you, uh, we could come to this psalm and try and pick apart all the technical details of the psalms and ask those sort of head knowledge questions. But I think because it's such an emotional kind of psalm, the right way actually to look at this psalm is to um, not think about it academically, but to try and reflect 
on uh, the emotion in this psalm and on our emotions. Um, perhaps some of us do know this feeling of uh, finding it really hard to trust in God. I'm going to share a little bit about um, how I've felt some of that over the years myself. Um, and I'm not especially really an emotional kind of person. I'm uh, not really known for that. My wife Annika would often joke that the only time she's ever seen me cry in our 10 years of marriage is when Adelaide United won the grand final. Um, I, that is a joke, but I think it's probably actually also true. So, um, I'm gonna, but I'm going to see and try and do my best and try and help us reflect on some deep um, feelings today. And we are going to talk about some quite hard things. Um, that, that feeling of not being able to trust God, it's, it's not easy. And so um, we're going to do that this morning. We're going to do it by uh, journeying with this psalmist uh, who's written Psalm 73 for us, Asaph, uh, it says his name is. Um, so three things I think this psalm shows us. I'll put them on the screen. Uh, three simple points, the crisis, number one. Uh, number two, the necessary task. Uh, and number three, how to move forward. So uh, first of all, the crisis. Um, I wonder if you ever heard that little proverb um, about the Chinese word for crisis being two characters, danger and opportunity. Um, have you ever heard that before? It turns out it's not actually true. It's just a bit of a myth that um, has got into popular culture because John F. Kennedy used it in a speech once, um, but it's just made up. Um, but I think the underlying point is right. Uh, when we're in times of crisis, it's not a good thing, but actually it also does come with opportunity. Um, think of losing your job. That can be a big life crisis. Uh, but at the same time, it can also be a great opportunity to maybe make a change and go on a different career path, uh, end up somewhere even better. Or perhaps if you have a fight with a spouse or a close friend, it, it can feel like a crisis, a, a worrying, scary thing. But um, we all know, don't we, that sometimes those fights, and if those fights are done healthily, they can actually be a great way of taking that relationship to a place of even greater trust and greater intimacy. Once you've put those real feelings on the table, uh, you can come out the other side even stronger. A crisis, it, it, it's a hard thing, but it can be a good thing. It can be an opportunity. Now, in our psalm today, the writer of our psalm is in a time of crisis. Uh, let's see how he says this in the first couple of verses. Um, he says, Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart, but as for me, my feet almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold. Now, there are lots of us here in the room today, of course, and we've all had different experiences. Um, some of us here might, might say that we're not Christians. We might never have been able to say that we trust in God. Hopefully today will be helpful for you as we talk about maybe some of the harder things about uh, trusting in God and believing. Now, some of us might say we could never dream of not being able to trust in God. We're just, we're just so sure of who God is. Of course we trust God. How could we, uh, how could we trust anything else? Um, but I think there will also be some of us here um, who know this feeling that the psalmist is describing. We might be feeling it now, or we might have felt it in the past. We know what it's like to go through a crisis in terms of our faith, to be struggling to believe, to be struggling to keep going, to feel, be feeling like we've almost lost our foothold. How can we keep trusting in God's goodness with what I'm feeling at the moment? We might sometimes call that feeling uh, maybe Christian doubt or something like that. Doubt about who God is, doubt about our faith. I do think doubt is a bit of a loaded term. It also almost kind of makes it sound a little bit like a disease, like, oh, you've got doubts, I better keep my distance. But um, I, I don't know if you know this, but actually in the last five-ish years, um, this, this experience of Christians questioning their faith, doubting their faith, has actually been quite a hot topic um, because over the last five years, there has been actually quite a lot of well-known Christians who have come out and said that they are feeling doubt towards, towards God or 
Um, some that have even decided that they have to walk away from the church because they just, they, 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 they've been in one of these crisis moments and they've felt like they, they aren't able to keep going trusting in God. Um, I, I just thought I'd, I'd mention a couple of those um, stories. You might have heard um, a little bit about someone called Josh Harris. Um, he's a guy who wrote a famous book about 20 years ago about um, Christian sort of purity culture. Um, and then a few years ago in 2019, he came out and said that he's not a Christian anymore. Um, and actually now he's uh, spends his days writing material to help Christians who are, uh, to help people who are in the process of, of losing their faith, to kind of help people who are losing their faith go through that process in a healthy way. Um, that's what Josh Harris is doing now. Or another you might have heard of, um, this is uh, someone, a name you might know, one of the songwriters at Hillsong, former songwriter at Hillsong. Uh, his name was Marty Sampson, still is Marty Sampson. Um, he, helped some, he helped write some great Christian songs, including, including a couple of the songs that we still uh, sing here at church. He he contributed on. A couple of years ago, he too came out and said that he was no longer sure about God and he had all sorts of doubts. Uh, and it's very, it's very sobering, isn't it, to hear these, these stories, very sad, kind of not the uplifting, happy, encouraging sort of thing we want to think about here on a Sunday morning normally. But, um, and, and these are just a couple of the more prominent examples that some people have been saying um, that over the last few years, there's kind of been a crisis in the church uh, with so many doubting and giving the faith away. Now, that might be a little bit of an overreaction, but um, why is it that people seem to be coming to doubt God? Why, why, why might we come to doubt God? Well, people's doubts, of course, can come from all sorts of different things. Uh, Josh Harris and Marty Sampson both have had different sorts of reasons for um, walking away from God. They, they partly had some intellectual questions that they found hard to um, get satisfying answers to. But it was also about what they saw and experienced. Josh uh, said that he had seen how the church had been hurt by lots of, sorry, how the church had been hurting people. Um, and he'd even seen how people had been hurt by the, own book, the, the books that he'd written himself. And he found that quite hard to deal with. Marty said that he felt like the church wasn't really open to answering the real questions. Um, I'm not trying to simplify what those two men went through, but, um, but for, for our psalmist, although the details are a little bit different, for the psalmist, it's actually something quite similar. He uh, is also experiencing doubts because of what he's seeing and because of what he's experiencing. Let's, um, let's, let's have a look um, at the next little bit from verse 3. Uh, he's in crisis and he says, it's because, verse 3, I, I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from common human burdens. And it, it, it keeps going. We could keep going, but um, we've already had it read out for us. The psalmist is struggling to trust God because he's seeing all these wicked people and he's seeing them have success. You know, you, you might say the modern equivalent is he sees that CEO of the big company who's really evil and getting rich off other people's misery, but they just came to seem to keep having success after success after success. And he's wrestling with questions like, well, what is God doing? Is, how is God really good with all this evil going on? How can God even be there to be allowing what's happening here? The psalmist is seeing what's going on in the world, observing what's going on in the world, and he's just starting to pull apart what he believes, and he's finding it hard to keep going. He's losing his foothold, he says. And this seems, does seem to be the sort of experience that um, some people have seemed to have over the last few years. Um, so much so that there are even new words that have come into the conversation. Words like deconstruction. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard that word used, but um, Josh Harris, one of those guys uh, I spoke about before, Josh Harris is one of the ones who uses that word quite a bit. And what he sort of means when he uses that word um, is it means that he has 
kind of felt like his faith has been constructed over years and years and years and he's learnt this and he's learnt this and he's kind of constructed this faith. Um, but more recently, he's then started to deconstruct. He started to think, well, actually, maybe I'm not convinced by that and I'm not convinced by that or maybe I never really believed that. I just sort of accepted it without really questioning it. And as he pulls the whole thing apart, he, he, he kind of feels like he's deconstructing his faith. And he found that as he pulled apart what he believed and as he deconstructed his faith, well, actually, the, the sad thing is he found like when he got to the end of that process, there wasn't much left. There wasn't any faith to keep going with. And many others have talked about this experience of feeling like they're deconstructing their faith and questioning, doubting those things that they've in the past believed. Now, that's, as I've said, pretty sobering, sad thing to think about. I don't know what you think about all that, what you feel uh, when you hear about this. Uh, maybe you think, well, these guys are just idiots. How could they be so stupid to give their faith away? But, um, but I know some of us will go, actually, I know a little bit about what that feels like. Um, I know a bit about, about what that feels like. I, um, I've talked about the psalmist. I've talked about um, Josh Harrison. I've talked about Marty Sampson. But let me talk a little bit about myself. Um, if I'm speaking honestly, I too have had times when I feel like my faith has been um, on top of the world and I've, I've felt like I'm on fire for Jesus and there's no way I could possibly question what I believe. But then I have had other times when I feel like I've had to check myself and think, oh, hang on, if I just deconstruct all this a little bit and go a little bit deeper, do I actually believe that thing? Or uh, you know, have I just been getting caught up in something that deep down is actually a bit more like just playing a game? I've just kind of got swept away in this whole church thing. And do I actually really believe these things that I believe? And I, I particularly remember one period of time. It's um, quite a few years ago now, but I remember... Um, quite a hard time in my life. It wasn't a coincidence that wasn't a coincidence that my mental health was also not doing great at this period. And I remember quite suddenly stopping and being a bit shocked to realise that actually I think my faith has been on a bit of cruise control for a while. It, it felt like I'd started to take my belief in God as a bit of a given. I, I'd, I'd believed the gospel a long time before, and it was like I'd kind of just accepted it and then stopped seeing any really tension or. or anything difficult in what I believed and I just sort of happily cruised along, happily Christian, happily even going to church and learning new things and, um, but not really wrestling, not really thinking about those tensions of what I believe, not even really questioning um, those things that I'd been taught. And that made me sit up and think, hang on, do I actually believe all this? If I go right back to the basics, am I actually still convinced by this? Or have I just been cruising along, playing a little bit of a game? Um, you might say that was a little bit of a crisis point for me, realizing that actually, oh, wow, um, there are some big things here that I probably haven't really thought about much for the last few years. But back to that Chinese character thing with crisis and opportunity. Um, crisis is also an opportunity. And when I had that experience of feeling like I needed to go back to basics and actually pull my faith apart a little bit and just um, check myself and work out, hang on, I'm actually convinced um, by these truths, it actually became for me an enormous opportunity to grow. And I think, uh, I think if there's anything I want you guys to take away from today from looking at this psalm is that, uh, it's that this idea of deconstructing our faith and pulling our faith apart is actually not a bad thing at all. Um, because I, not because I want any of us to, to deconstruct our faith and, and, and destroy our faith and walk away from Jesus, but because the Christian life should be a life of wrestling with the real questions, of challenging assumptions, of going back to wrestle with the big questions of the gospel, not of taking things for granted but a life of asking whether we really believe what we believe or whether instead we're just relying on what we learned 20 years ago and stuck on cruise control. 
And so in Psalm 73, the crisis is also an opportunity, and it's an opportunity to do what the psalmist does next. He does, point two, the necessary task. Let's, um, let's pick up what happens next in the psalm from verse 14. The psalmist is feeling awful. He's, he's feeling in the midst of these big questions, in the middle of this crisis of faith. And he says from verse 14, he says, All day long I've been afflicted. Every morning brings new punishments. If I'd spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children. When I tried to understand this, it troubled me deeply. Until, uh, this, is, this is where it turns, until, verse 17, I entered the sanctuary of God. Uh, the necessary task is that the psalmist, in all his doubt and wondering and questioning and wrestling and being unsure what he really thinks, he takes himself to God. If we find ourselves in a time when we're finding it hard to trust God, when we want to pull our beliefs apart a little bit, if we find we have big questions that we need to wrestle through, um, it's easier to take all that and, and kind of think, oh, I want to get away from God for a bit. I say, I just want some space to think this all through. I want to deal with this all by myself. I, I just want to decide what I really want to believe and where I really want to go. And I suspect, you know, that, that's okay, but I suspect that's often what leads later on to someone just saying, you know what, actually at the end of the day, it's all about me and I'm, I'm going to just decide that I'm not going to be a Christian anymore. But what the psalmist here gives us is a great example of what we should really do in these situations. And that is that he found things changed when he looked, uh, not inward, but when he looked to God. He describes it as going right into God's sanctuary, taking his doubts and struggles and questions about God and taking them to God, taking them right into God's presence. Doubting God, but not running away from him, running back to him with his questions. Now, what might it look like for us to do that? Well, it probably looks like spending some serious time in prayer and perhaps even not just praying the nice Christian things, but telling God honestly what we really think and feel. Even going to God and praying, God, I just don't get this. How could you allow this? How could you be like this? Even going to God and asking things like, how can I trust you if you're the God who judges people? How can I trust you when I see the church hurting people? How can I trust you when I see wicked people prospering so much, which is, which is what the psalmist seems to have done. We might even pray to God and say something like, God, I just don't even really feel anything positive towards you right now. But at least as we do that, uh, it means we've gone to God, gone to his sanctuary, rather than run away from him. I think the other thing we should do in this um, sort of situation when we're wrestling things is go to God, but also I think it's wise to go to each other. God doesn't bring us into his people so that we can deal with all our challenges um, by ourselves, does he? Um, Galatians 6, bear one another's burdens. Hebrews, spur one another on in faith. Uh, God has given us the gift of each other to be able to help each other. Uh, the psalmist um, spoke about uh, feeling like he couldn't speak out about what he was going through, but I, I, think, I don't think that's uh, meant to be uh, something we take as an example to follow. I think God, God wants us to deal with our problems in community and with each other. And so I think when we find ourselves struggling with things like our faith the response should be not to bottle it up inside but take it to god but also take it to each other and be real about our faith with those who know us best and with those who we trust and so that's where this sermon really has an application for all of us even if we've never had the slightest shadow of a doubt about our faith um, because i think we should all ask ourselves are we the kind of community that's ready to support those who are struggling with things like trust. Is, is your growth group as an example? 
Um, is your growth group a place where someone would feel safe talking about what's really going on deep inside? Is our church the sort of place where is, if someone is asking big questions, do those questions just kind of get shut down, given a quick play it out answer? Or do we, do we journey with people and help them wrestle um, with what's real? Simon and I were talking about this over the last couple of weeks. Um, we actually, we really want to keep showing people that we're kind of the community that um, encourages questions and welcomes questions, that you don't have to come to this church and just accept everything that's said from the front as a given. And one of the things practically we're keen to do is uh, keep making time in our services for questions. We had a question time a few weeks ago at the end of our six weeks in Romans, you might remember. Um, we've decided we're going to put another one in, in, in the service for next week, so a question time next week after the sermon. Um, think, think about what questions you might like to ask for next week. It could be from today, it could be from the last few weeks, it could be about anything. Uh, and, and actually the best thing to do is to take one of those questions, write it down on one of our contact cards or fill it in online during the week. Um, that way Simon and, and I, who will be answering the questions next week, um, will have a bit of more of a chance to reflect on those questions. Um, but, but do that. If you have questions, put them down this week, send them in. Um, let's wrestle with our questions together. Um, we'll have a time to do that um, next Sunday here at church. I hope we are this kind of community, the sort of community where uh, some doubts, wrestling, questioning, um, it's not only welcomes but actually expected uh, because it's part of the Christian life. And if we're not that sort of community who, who, who welcomes that sort of thing, well, the alternative is we force people to hide away their questions and deal with their doubts on their own. And that's, that's not how we want to be, is it? Uh, if you felt like we are like, are like that, well, we're sorry. Um, we, we really do want to do better. Um, and one of, the, one of the sad things, by the way, is um, I talked about Marty Sampson, the Hillsong guy before. One of the things he came out and said when he gave his faith away was that he just felt like no one would really ask, ask the real questions and he didn't really have an opportunity to do that. So um, we want to make sure that we're not like that. Um, and so let's, let's make sure we're that kind of community that's happy to talk about the real things uh, that are deep under, underneath. Well, the crisis, uh, questioning our faith, maybe feeling like sometimes we're pulling our faith apart, which is a Scary thing to do, but it's also an opportunity. Uh, the necessary task is to take that wrestling, take that questioning to God and, and wrestle along with his people. Uh, last point then, the way forward. How do we, how do we move forward um, on this? Now, as I've said, if we, uh, I've said, if we do have doubts and questions, um, things like that, that can actually be a really great opportunity for growth uh, because a tested faith, a well-worked through faith is a strong faith. Uh, when we think of doubts and we think of the Bible, I wonder um, who you think of. Who's the most famous doubter in the Bible, the, the, the doubter that we probably comes to our mind? Do you think of um, Doubting Thomas? Doubting Thomas? That's who I think of. <coughs> Actually, it's a shame that Thomas gets a bit of a bad rap, I think. Um, we might even say sometimes things like, oh, don't be a Doubting Thomas. Um, but when, when you think of the story of Thomas, if you know that story, uh, Thomas says that he won't believe in Jesus until he is... What is it? Until he's, you know, put his, put his hands through, his fingers through Jesus' hands and seen the hole in Jesus' side. Um, and, and Jesus comes to Thomas. And, you know, remember what Jesus doesn't say. Jesus doesn't say, oh, Thomas, you, you weak man, you know, you should have, should have figured this out earlier. He doesn't say, you know, you're asking for terrible things, Thomas. No, Jesus comes to Thomas, who was doubting, and Jesus says, oh, no, look, come and see. Come and, come and see my hands. You can see my side. And Thomas does get to do it. And he he, he sees the hands in the holes in Jesus' hands and he sees the hole in Jesus' side. And do you remember what Thomas says after he sees all of this? He says, my Lord and my God, my Lord and my God, which is actually the very strongest statement of any of Jesus' disciples 
as to who Jesus is through the whole Bible. You know, so Thomas, he's, he's a doubter, but his doubts were an opportunity to come to Jesus and be more convinced about the truth of who Jesus is. And he's come out with the strongest of faiths. And um, Christian history will tell you a little bit about Thomas going off to the East and um, doing amazing things. He came out with a very strong faith. Uh, and so questioning um, the truth of the Bible is a great opportunity for growth um, in faith as well. But how, how can we then move forward? How can we move forward? If we uh, struggle with questioning maybe whether God is real, whether God is good, um, whether we can really go on believing God, and if our faith is maybe sometimes it's up and sometimes it's down and we just kind of feel like we can't get away from our doubts and we don't have that miracle sort of experience like Thomas had, well, how, what can we do? How can we move forward uh, in faith? Well, I've got three quick suggestions for us. Um, taking, your, taking your wrestling to God is kind of what I've said is, I think, the big one. Um, but three things that I think are worth remembering um, as we think about moving forward. And here's the three. Uh, doubt your doubts. Faith is always needed and feelings are just feelings. Uh, doubt your doubts. Faith is always needed. Feelings are just feelings. Uh, what do I mean by doubting our doubts? Uh, well, I guess what I mean is that we should acknowledge that our doubts sometimes course they do come from logical sorts of questions that we have about something but we should acknowledge that underneath our doubts there's always more going on we have desires and biases and other things that affect our doubts as well um i was trying to think of a way to prove this and i thought maybe if you wanted proof that our kind of desires and what we want also affects our doubts um you should go off to a footy game uh, how come at the footy fifty thousand people all simultaneously doubt the umpire's decision when he plays a free kick against the home team uh, do you think it's, I think it's because of logical reasoning that all 50,000 people have figured out that that's the wrong decision all just at the right same time? Uh, maybe sometimes, to be fair. Um, but actually, most of the time, the umpires do get it right, and the doubts of the fans are really because they're so keen to see their team win. They have a natural bias. And, and it's not like they're just being deluded. It, it, you do think the umpires made a wrong decision because our, our, our desires and what we want is so deeply ingrained with us that it's hard for us to... Um, have a clear picture on what's happening. And so really, footy fans who don't agree with the umpire should doubt their doubts. <laughs> you know, acknowledge that it's hard for them to see an umpire's decision impartially because of their natural bias. And we should realise that we're not impartial when it comes to our doubts either. Uh, the psalmist, he felt doubt, and he doubted because of all the experiences that he had, because of just the little window that he had into life at that time. He was seeing all these wicked people succeed. And because of what he saw, he was feeling jealous and bitter about what he was seeing. And because of that, he doubted God's goodness. And of course, he had a bias, like we all do. He doubted because things weren't going so well for him. And he maybe partly wanted to be like one of these wicked people who were going really well. And we can certainly have biases and messages and things that are getting deep within us that can cause us to, uh, that, that should cause us to doubt our doubts as well. Um, so an obvious one, um, we should acknowledge that we live in a world where we are hit all week long with different messaging. So, you know, marketing is constantly telling us what we should want. Social media is t constantly telling us what's right and wrong. Uh, movies and TV shows are constantly telling us what we should value. And all of that messaging, it's all getting in there. It is, and, and none of it's actually telling us that the best way to live is God's way, is it? And actually, most of that messaging is telling us that humanity has now figured out a better way to live and actually we can do a better job of being loving and we have better answers for satisfaction than what the bible has don't you think it'd be a bit naive to think that none of that messaging is ever affecting us if the world's hitting us with that messaging all the time telling us that god's not as good as we think it is and the world knows better and we have better answers now than what the bible has that's well, hardly going to be surprising if 
from time to time we feel a few doubts about the gospel message, is it? But there's a reason to doubt that doubt. There's a reason to doubt that doubt. Uh, Second, I think it's worth realising that faith is always needed. Faith is always needed. Um, I often think, uh, we can think of whether we trust God as we sort of, we start with a baseline of, okay, I don't know what I believe and I want to see if there's enough evidence for me to have faith that Christianity is true. You know, that's kind of how it works, isn't it? So uh, starting point, uh, I want to see if I have enough faith uh, to see if I can trust God. And that's, you know, that's how it works. But um, what I also want us to think about is actually flipping it around the other way. Um, because if we've seen, okay the, okay, the Bible does actually seem to line up really well with history and the Bible does seem to hold remarkably well together and it um, has amazing insights and it does seem to have lots of truth in it and it does have the ring of truth and Jesus certainly was a real person and it certainly seems like he was who he said he was and all the evidence kind of seems to point that way and I'm here and I, I kind of come from nothing and I feel like there's meaning in the world and so I feel like there, maybe there must be some sort of creator and if we take all that... Well, actually then to go the other way and disregard it, actually that is also a big leap of faith. A big leap of faith to just put all that evidence aside and say that Christianity is not true, that actually takes a lot of, lot of faith. And that's where we say we should doubt our doubts. They, they, there might not be complete and perfect proof that Jesus is who he said he was. There's not sort of a mathematical proof that Christianity is true. Um, but I tell you what, there's certainly no, no proof that Jesus isn't who he said he was either, is there? Um, there's certainly no proof that God isn't real. And so we might be hit with messaging that is saying that Christianity is all fairy stories or it's unhelpful. Um, but really, that messaging, well, actually, are we going to have faith in that messaging? Because that's actually a lot of faith to have as well. And actually, some of those things, you know, you're really going to have faith on what you hear on Twitter. That's, that's a pretty shaky thing to put your faith in. Um, so the point is, either way, either way, it's going to take faith. It takes faith to choose to trust Jesus, but... To look at the evidence and say that it's not true, well, that's a big leap of faith as well. And just because we're feeling a little bit more uncertain then about whether or not we are feeling trust in Jesus just at the moment, it doesn't mean we're suddenly down the other end um, rejecting him. Uh, and that's our last point as well. Feelings are just feelings. Uh, feelings are just feelings. I've said today that I think it's normal to expect that sometimes we might not be feeling so strong in our faith. Uh, that That's actually part of the Christian life, I think, that sometimes we Maybe just don't feel so sure of who God is. And our feelings are real. Like We should acknowledge our feelings. Um, If we're finding it hard to trust God, that's not something we should just try and hide away or repress deep down within us. We should acknowledge that feeling and um, try and work out how to talk about that feeling with others. Um, And Psalms, like Psalm 73, it's it's there so that we can have words to express these kind of feelings. That's that's why it's it's there in the Bible. But um, we should also remember at the end of the day, feelings are real and valid, but they're also just feelings. And actually, we are more than our feelings. You are not your feelings. You might not realise it, but actually in 2023 in Australia, um, that's not something we're really so convinced of anymore. Actually, in Australia in 2023, feelings are, wow, feelings rule. Feelings are what it's all about. We're being told more and more that if we feel something, well, it's almost like we don't have a choice but to go with what we feel. You know, we have to give the heart what the heart wants. It's almost like we don't have a choice about Uh, going with our feelings. Our feelings is is what our authority is almost. But actually, we are more than our feelings. We know that, don't we? And even if we're not always feeling it, we can still choose to trust. At the end of our psalm, our psalmist is still wrestling, I'm sure, but our psalmist um, does give his response to all this sort of wrestling that he's done. 
um, whatever it is he feels, he has decided, as he says at the end, as for me, it's good to be near God. I've made the sovereign Lord my refuge, and I will tell of all your deeds. The psalmist has decided, whatever his lot, he is going to keep going in faith. He is going to make the Lord his refuge. Um, I've told you a couple of sad stories about famous Christians today. I wanted to finish with one happier story. Uh, It's actually the story of Billy Graham. Uh, I don't know if you know, but Billy Graham was someone who struggled with doubts. He he knew that there were challenges to Christianity. He knew there were real questions. And the story goes, he was so sort of up and down with some of this sort of stuff, wrestling over these big questions of faith. He even one time went on a retreat to the mountains and spent, I think, a week or two up in the mountains just trying to sort of pray and wrestle through what he was going with. Um, And the story goes, he was sitting on a tree stump, uh, wrestling, praying, pondering, and um, on that tree stump, for whatever reason, he was praying, he he finally decided, look, whatever his feelings, that he was convinced by what the Bible said. He decided he's convinced. And so he decided then and there that he he was going to go on trusting God. He was going to leave his doubts behind. He said, doubts be damned. I'm going to keep going. He decided it was good for him to be with the Lord. The crisis, uh, sometimes we're not, always, we're not always feeling faith. That's okay. Uh, the necessary task is we need to take those feelings to God. We need to take them to his people. And the way forward, we can doubt those doubts. We need to have faith either way. And even if we're not feeling it, even if we're not feeling it all the time, we need to remember that feelings are just feelings. And we can know, uh, like the psalmist, uh, we can know like Billy Graham, that we can keep going. We can choose to keep trusting. We can take communion, even if we're not feeling on top of the world. We can keep taking refuge in our great God, in our great Lord, even in, those midst, in the midst of those hard times uh, where it's hard to keep going in faith. We can still commit to him and keep going in him. Uh, so how about I pray for us? Uh, that that would be what we could keep doing. Uh, Father, we know that sometimes faith is, is hard. Uh, I know it, I know lots of us here know it. We can be hit by trials, challenges, questions, doubts. God, we ask you today that you would help us to go to you with those feelings, uh, to wrestle with each other and to wrestle with you. And Lord, we, um, we pray as we're about to sing that you would hasten the day that our faith would no longer be faith, but that it would be sight. Uh, we, we pray that we would be able to keep going, saying, Uh, Whatever our lot, uh, it is well with my soul uh, that we'd be able to keep going with you. Uh, We do thank you for Jesus who shows us the truth of who you are. Uh, It's in his name that we pray this morning. Amen.